0: We are in our final week of the book of Proverbs, and so today I kind of have two main objectives. I I want to close out our teaching series over Proverbs today, but I also want to spend some time building some hype towards our next one. And and we're, we're going to be jumping into the book of Mark next week and I'm especially excited any time we get to go through a gospel from start to finish. It's going to be a great time together. And it starts on the on the perfect Sunday. Next week is fall back Sunday, right? We get an extra hour of sleep. And so we'll commit that entire hour of prayer just getting ready for church, right? And so why are you laughing? <laughs> well, we are uh, as I said, we're, we're, we're mainly focusing on wrapping up our, our series over the book of Proverbs. And, and the book of Proverbs has been a great season of, of just learning as to what the wisdom of God is, how to pursue it. Uh, God has been inviting us each and every week when we jump into this book. He's been inviting us to a life of wisdom. And so really every, every, uh, every nugget of wisdom in this book is about a choice between life and death. And so that's what we're gonna, we're gonna talk about, is the life and death that we are up against when we consider the wisdom of God that he is offering us. I wanna, I wanna start by just opening the first chapter of Proverbs. We remember early in, in the book of Proverbs, we talked about how the wisdom of, of God is personified as lady wisdom. And Lady Wisdom makes her appeal to us to follow her. And so I want to read in chapter 1, verses 20 through 23, the call of wisdom. Wisdom cries aloud in the street and in the markets. She raises her voice at the head of the noisy streets. She cries out at the entrance of the city gates she speaks, how long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Of course, that line that just jumps off the page to me, how long, O simple ones, Will you love being simple? Now, we talked about that word so many different times in the book of Proverbs. Simple doesn't mean stupid. All right, that's how we use the word simple. When we describe someone as simple, we may be trying to uh, put them down. But the word simple in Hebrew has uh, a meaning of just uh, naivety. It it, it, uh, talks about how someone is unexperienced or uncommitted or indifferent. And so this is how long, oh, indifferent ones Will you love being indifferent to the call of wisdom, specifically? This book is God's appeal to us to pursue his way of life. And his way of wisdom is not natural. So we need called to this life. We need God to call to us and say, stop being uncommitted. Commit to me. Follow me. And I will lead lead you down a path of true wisdom. And it leads to life. Ultimately, when we think about pursuing the wisdom of God, it's a choice of of pursuing life or pursuing death. Are you committed to choosing the life God has for you? Every single one of us in here are are going. We're, We're going somewhere. We are on a path. We are headed in a certain direction. Life is a journey. Hence the name of the church. Man, someone should name their church Journey, right? You know, that's, I wanted people to think about that whenever I, I named the Journey Church, what I named it. Like I was hoping that everyone would be thinking, hey, you know, we're all headed somewhere. Well, I want a journey on the path that God has for me. That's what I wanted everybody to think about. But I totally underestimated how, how popular the band Journey was. That's all people, like Steve Perry's vocals, man. Smooth as silk. You just can't underestimate it. That's what You named your church after a band? Yes. Yeah. I na- yeah. <laughs> yep. You got me. I just thought that would be cool. <laughs> now I just roll with it, right? <laughs> uh, but the idea that I was shooting for is more of, you know, don't stop believing. Uh, go walk down the, the journey that God has for you. Oh, That was a dad joke moment. Sorry. I just The filter didn't catch it in time. But we're all traveling a certain path, aren't we? We're all headed somewhere. Where are you headed? Do you even know where you're headed? How, do you, how will you even know when you get there? What is the end goal of the path that you are currently on right now? What map are you using to discern direction at all? These are the things that I want people to think about when they think of the Journey Church once they get past the band. How do you determine direction in life? And are you choosing God's path for life? I think these are the things that the book of Proverbs especially gets us to think about. It's a matter of life and death. And so Proverbs wants us to know, you know, how we're going to answer uh, that question of life and death. And so we remember, too, like as we've walked through the book of Proverbs and we see those words life and death come up over and over and over again, those words are used in a really robust way. And so life means more in the book of Proverbs than just a beating heart. Death means more than, than, not, than a heart that's not beating. It's, it's more than the, the physical aspect of life and death. And so, for example, in Proverbs 12, 28, it says, In the path of righteousness is life, and its pathway there is no death. And so... Now, it's not saying that if you live a righteous life, you're not going to die. That's not what it's saying. It's using those concepts of life and death in a more, in a more robust way. It's speaking of, of how your existence will make you feel. So when you examine the path that you're on right now, how does your existence make you feel? Do you feel like you're on a path to life? Or do you feel like you're on a path to death? I think that we already use those concepts in that way just in our normal language, right? When we've had a rough week, when work has been overwhelming, how do we describe it? We describe it like death. Oh, man, I'm drowning this week. I feel like I'm going to die. I'm so tired. So we, we describe life in those terms as well. And if life is going great, if it's in the positive, we'll describe it in a positive. We'll use life. You know, we're we're living La Vida Loca right now. Life feels great. If someone is very vivacious, that's a compliment. It's life-giving to be around them. And so Proverbs uses those words in a similar, in a similar way. Real life. Real life is the vitality that God gives to us through his righteousness. That's what Proverbs wants to communicate to us. Real, true life as God intended is taking a path of his righteousness. Now, ultimately, we know from the gospel that his righteousness and that life is given to us through his son. But it's also given to us through our works as in righteousness, as we are inspired by the righteousness imputed to us by faith, right? And so when we walk this path of righteousness, there's a sense of fulfillment that comes with it that sin cannot give us. It's it's a sense of fulfillment of being blessed. It's a sense of knowing that we have the approval of God. When we are walking in his righteousness, we are blessed. That's the most biblical concept, the most biblical understanding of the concept of being blessed. When we are walking in righteousness, we have his approval. That is how he wants us to live. And so just like Hebrews says, the wages of sin is death. Proverbs says the wage of righteous leads to life. And so if we want to feel the fulfillment that God wants us to feel as we live in this life, we need to take the path of righteousness. But you and I don't always take that path. If we are on this journey of God's wisdom, sometimes we stray off the trail, right? Occasionally, you and I, because we are born sinful and we battle sin in our life, occasionally we're going to stray off that path. And when we do, from time to time, we're going to stray into the realm of death. That's when life's going to feel like it's decaying. It may, You know, when we choose sin, it may not feel like death in the moment, but it deteriorates very quickly into that. And so... You might remember this is exactly how um, death and and sin are described in Proverbs 9. Do you remember when King Solomon, you know, just just like when he personifies the wisdom of God as Lady Wisdom and she calls out to us, he also personifies the wisdom of the world as Lady Folly. And Lady Folly calls to us too. Lady Folly has a way of luring us off the path of righteousness and into a path of decay. She invites us to her house. We remember in chapter 9, she invites us. She has prepared a meal for us. And how is her home described? It says that, well, if you go into that house, just know this. Know that the dead are there. That's where death is. Her guests are in the depths of Sheol. That's the realm of the dead. So when we stray off the path of righteousness, we're headed onto a path of decay. And so to the world, it makes sense to stray off the path of righteousness. There, there's a way that makes sense to man that isn't the right path. Remember in Proverbs 10 too, it says there's, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end is the way to death. God's plan for righteousness is not natural. We need his intervention. And so I hope that as we've been walking through the book of Proverbs, you feel counseled God, because that's what this opportunity has for us. Do you want counseled by the creator of all things on how to live your life? That seems like an obvious yes. I think I do. He's saying to us in the book of Proverbs, you don't have to learn everything the hard way. You don't have to stray off the path and, and, and learn that it's bad to know that that's bad. You can stay on this path that I have for you, and I will counsel you to let you know that if you stray off that path, it will go badly. You can take my word for it instead of learning the hard way. So he's calling to us, adjust to me. Think about how you're living your life and adjust to me. Stay on the path that I have for you. Who are you adjusting to? We all adjust All the time to how we live our life we adjust to how we think we're influenced by an endless amount of uh, of areas in our life and people and movements we're always adjusting and so we gather here each and every week to go through God's word to make sure that adjustment is in the right direction we want to make sure that we are adjusting to God's way and not adjusting to the world's way and so the the call from the world the call from Lady Folly to adjust to her ways is strong that is a very loud call to us as well. So who are you adjusting to? Maybe think right now in this week, who are you adjusting to this week? And so we choose all sorts of different things. We adjust to social movements. We, you know, we adjust to various religious beliefs. We adjust uh, good and bad. We adjust to political movements, I mean philosophical movements. And every time we make a choice to adjust to one of these movements in our life, we're deciding to adhere to a moral code that that is that movement. Everybody has their idea of morality, and so when we choose a path that is not God's path, we're choosing this idea uh, on morality over his idea of morality. And there, there may be an overlap in some areas, but when we commit to a movement, we commit to everything that movement has to say about morality. And so... I think the most popular thing that people adjust to today is you say, hey, you are your own moral authority. You do what you think is right. And of course, when all of us do that, what happens? It's moral chaos, right? Because people can't ever get on the same page where it, it's just absolute chaos. People are all over the place. And so when we when we as believer, believers are, are journeying in the direction that God wants us to go, here's ultimately what we're saying. We're saying we are adjusting to his truth. We are adjusting to what he says is moral. We believe that morality is determined, it's a standard that exists outside of us. It is God, that's who he is. We believe that he is the judge of the living and the dead. That's how he is described all over the Bible in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And so when we are walking God's path, we are saying, he is the judge. I am measured by him. He is not measured by me. And so his path, he says, leads to life in the fullest sense, even eternal life. So the truest example of what it means to walk the path of God, is Jesus. That is the truest example of of someone who stayed on the path the entire time. He was completely and utterly sinless. And that's why he says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Is that the standard you are following? To whom or to what have you given your life to? Is it really Jesus? Or is it just another social movement? You know, who are you giving your life? We're, just like we're all going to adhere to a certain morality, we're all going to choose a path, we're all going to give our lives to something. You are in the process right now of giving your life to something. What is it? What would you say that it is? What is it that consumes your thoughts? What is it that you are most wrapped up in? What path are you truly on? The Bible says, give your life to Christ. Adjust to him. That's where true life is. And here's my favorite thing about Christianity. When you choose to walk the path of God, you will never be rejected. I think that's what makes Christianity unique. When you think of all of these different social movements and all of these different philosophies that exist out there and the moral code that you have to adhere to and when you take those paths. Man, if you don't live up to that moral code, you are rejected from that path. You are no longer one of them. It is very conditional. Every other path is so conditional. If you don't live up to that standard, you're out. You are canceled, rejected, or whatever it may be. But the path of Christianity is not like that. It's what makes it unique. When we walk this path of righteousness in Christ he will never cast us out. We do not live up to the standard of God. When we walk this path of righteousness as I mentioned earlier we stray off from time to time we get distracted, we get lured by Lady Folly, we get duped by her over and over and over again. But Jesus keeps us coming back to the this path. Jesus is is who calls us to this path. Jesus is who keeps us on this path. He will never cast us out. He will never reject us. It is a completely unconditional love. That's the biggest, most misunderstood concept in our entire faith. It is about unconditional love in the fullest sense, in a a sense in which no other movement that's ever been in the history of, of mankind has ever come close to, because he meets that standard of morality for us. Christianity is not legalism. It is not legalism. The message of the Bible is not live wisely and I will love you. The message of the Bible is I love you. Now, live this life of wisdom that I have before you. Come this way. Follow me. I'm offering it to you. Christianity is unconditional love in the truest sense, and nothing else even comes close to it. This is how Paul teaches it over and over and over in the New Testament. There's there's a chapter in Romans, chapter 6, that he's talking about what it means to be on this path of righteousness, to to be in Christ. He talks about this, this life of being brought from death to life spiritually. And he says explicitly, sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. We are accepted by the grace of Jesus and we are kept in the grace of Jesus. That's what makes Christianity so unique. It sets it apart. So the book of Proverbs is an appeal to wisdom, right? It's an invitation to the vitality that God provides through righteousness. But ultimately, the book of Proverbs is one of 66 books that is an appeal to wisdom that is Jesus. It's, it's part of a greater appeal to wisdom. It's an appeal to receive the wisdom of God that is The son of God, Jesus Christ, and receiving Jesus is the fullest expression of the fear of the Lord. That's what wisdom is, right? A fear of the Lord, adhering to to who he is, his righteousness. The fullest expression of the fear of the Lord is accepting Christ, is giving your life to him, is following him. And so we've spent 20 weeks in the book of Proverbs, and it's always felt very practical. That's one of the things I was looking most forward to in preaching the book of Proverbs, is just preaching really practical sermons. And you go through these Proverbs, and they really are just so practical, and so they called for practical sermons. But each and every week that I tried to to put together a practical sermon Over the wisdom of God, I tried to bring it back to Jesus, who is the fullest expression of the wisdom of God. He is the epitome of the wisdom of God, the pinnacle of God's wisdom. And so if we are going to pursue wisdom, if we are truly going to answer this call from Lady Wisdom, we're going to give our lives to Christ. And that gives us a vitality that lasts Through this life and into eternity. And so, in the New Testament, other places, in in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul speaks about the gospel message and he speaks to it as something that can only be received by the Spirit. We need a work of the Spirit in our lives in order to pursue the wisdom of God. Remember, this is not a, no one's naturally going to, to just stumble upon the path of God. We need a work of God in order to follow God. And so he says when this work of God takes place in our lives, the people of God will see the gospel as the epitome of wisdom, the pinnacle of wisdom, and will pursue it. It is wisdom. Jesus is wisdom for us. But people who are not on this path, they will see the gospel and think, this is foolishness. Let me read to you in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 when he puts it this way. I want to read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verses twenty six through thirty one. He says, "For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. <laughs> I always like that verse. Thanks a lot, Paul. Not many were powerful. Not many were, were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low." And despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. So that human being, so that no human being uh, might boast in the presence of God. And because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So in the beginning of this sermon, I asked you, what path are you on? What direction are you headed? When you examine what's consumed your thoughts in and, and your life right now, what direction, what path are you taking at the moment? We all claim to be on the path of wisdom, right? We all try to do the wise thing, but how do we know if we are? Well, Paul gives us a way to think through that. He gives us a way to test our lives. A way to, to, He frames it in such a way that we can tell if we've wandered off the path or not. In 1 Corinthians, he says, hey, if you're on this life that's just just merely about a, a better quality of life, then you're on man's path of wisdom. But if you're on a path that makes much of the righteousness of Jesus, if you're on a path that makes much of the sanctification and the redemption that we have through him, that's how you know you're on God's path of wisdom. That's how he frames it for us so that we can know because isn't it true, like sometimes when, when we wander off of the path of God, it's not like we're, we're just like, oh, hey, look, I knowingly am walking off the path of God, right? It happens so subtly that it's, it's, it's only after a season of sin that we, we are startled in that sin and notice that we have wandered away. We're, we're convicted and we repent and get back onto that path of God, right? And so he frames it in such a way that says, hey, take a look at this. Take a look. Are you making much of the righteousness of Jesus with who you are? Are you basking in the sanctification that we have through the Son of God? Have you been redeemed through through Christ? Do you dwell upon that? That's how you know you're headed in the right direction. And it's important that you know because one of these paths leads to spiritual death and one of these paths leads to spiritual life. And so the, the presence of this life that is offered to us in the Bible. It's determined by what you do with Jesus. What have you done with him? What have you done with what you know about Jesus? That's the question you need to ask yourself. Do you overlook him? Do you disregard him? Are you indifferent to him? Are you uncommitted to him? If so, you're on a path of spiritual death. But it's pressing into the gospel of Jesus that gets us headed back in the right direction. It's It's acknowledging who he is and what he's done. It's obeying his his teachings. When we walk a path that does those things, we we, we will feel spiritually vivacious. We'll feel alive. We'll feel blessed. I think it's too often that Christians today, they say, well, I just don't feel that connected to God. I feel distant from him. I just, I feel guilty in the sense that I'm just like, I'm behaving in a way that is indifferent to him. And and so I just feel stagnant in my relationship with God. And so what what are you doing about it? Maybe it's books like Proverbs that are perfect for those moments. Because it's the book of Proverbs, right? This calling to wisdom that says, how long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long, O stagnant ones, will you be okay with just being stagnant? How long, oh indifferent ones, uncommitted ones, are you okay with just existing that way? Do something about it. Commit already. Follow Jesus on the path of life. Feed upon him. With that thought in mind, I want to read one last proverb to you. This comes from Proverbs 24, verses 13 and 14. It says, My son, eat honey, for it is good and the drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. Know that wisdom is such to your soul. If you find it, there will be a future, and your hope will not be cut off. And so feeding upon the wisdom that is Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ, feeding upon that truth, that is to your soul as honey is to your taste buds. It's sweet, it's nourishing, the best remedy for the spiritually weary is the gospel of Jesus. It's just going back to what you already have heard. It's going back to what you already know. That going back to a gospel and and just starting from the beginning and believing in those and, and learning those fundamentals of the Christian faith, learning about the life of Jesus, who he was, who he claimed to be, what he did what his death, life, and resurrection and ascension mean for us, that's how the weary are strengthened. That's how the stagnant feel alive again. I, I think of so many times in the history of our, of our church as, as we have been on a journey collectively together. I think of some of the, the fondest times, I, I think, in our ministry has been going through a gospel. I remember teaching through the Gospel of John early in the life of the journey. That was the most transformative time of teaching in my entire life. I feel like for the first time, and I had been a pastor for many years up to that point, but for the first time, whenever we walked verse by verse through the Gospel of of John, I was able to add a a depth that's just hard to describe, a depth to my understanding of the Gospel, to apply it to what I believe in such a way that I actually truly live with those beliefs, you know what I mean? Like we can hear the gospel over and over and over. We, we, do, the, we do the church thing week in, week out. We're a part of it our whole lives. What we, what we, we make a mistake when we don't actually carry those beliefs into our daily lives. And I feel like the gospel of John, it just inspired me to live with this depth of belief that I hadn't had before I had gone through that book. I think of our, of our time in the gospel of Matthew we spent more time in the Gospel of Matthew than we have any other book of the Bible. We've gone through several books of the Bible, but the Gospel of Matthew took us like two and a half years. We had over a hundred sermons in the book of Matthew. It was one of the most informative times. We have the, the, long, the, the lengthiest versions of the teachings of Jesus exist in the book of Matthew. We spent so much time just going through every single verse that he preached so intentionally, so slowly, methodically, and I feel like those were moments in which we really grew in in our understanding of what Jesus actually taught. And so we are, we've come upon a new season of teaching, the gospel of Mark, in which we have this this opportunity once again. I'm excited to have my kids at, at the age that they are to be able to sit through a a, a teaching of the gospel from front to back, and so the gospel of Mark is the most efficient of the four gospels. We believe that it was the one that was written first; that It circulated before the other four gospels—Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John—being or being the four, those four gospels. But we have—we're not going to spend a hundred weeks in, in the Gospel of Mark uh, unless I start getting into the wrong commentaries and it slows me down. But we're probably going to spend fifty weeks there. We'll, we'll spend a year there for sure. But the gospel of, of, of Mark is, it's going to be 50 weeks of just honey for our soul. This is a great opportunity. If, if you have never just worked through a time of teaching, through, through a gospel from start to finish, I want to challenge you to make the most of this opportunity. I want to challenge you just to go back to the beginning of a gospel and just discipline yourself to understanding the life of our Savior. Disciplining yourself to understand the life of Jesus in a deeper way than you have the time before you read the, the gospel of Mark. And you've probably read through Mark a hundred times. It's one of the, those books of the Bible that when people pick up the Bible and they want to read something, mm, Mark's the shortest of the four gospels. I think I'll start with that one. It gets read a lot. And so I, I want to challenge you, though, in such a way that you understand you, you haven't graduated from the gospel of mark i don't care if you've read it a thousand times you never graduate from any book of the bible you only get like uh, cut in a different way every time you read it you know there's that that verse in hebrews that we studied last year the word of god is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword piercing the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart I think that if we come to church every week ready to be changed by the gospel of Mark in an intentional way, we'll, we'll be cut by it at times. We'll be inspired, but there's wisdom in that. There's wisdom in that guilt and that conviction that we feel when we walk through a, the, the teachings of Jesus and we, when we study his life. And so the past 20 weeks, we've been inspired to pursue wisdom in the book of Proverbs. In the next 50 weeks... We'll pursue that wisdom that is offered to us in the truest sense. And we'll try our best to walk further in our lives with Jesus than we ever have before. And that is what wisdom looks like for the believer of God. Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful for, for the book of Proverbs, for the ways in which it, it changes us and challenges us. Lord, I'm so grateful for the, the wisdom literature in your word that, that commands that we think philosophically at times, that, that, that causes us to, to think about your righteousness, that causes us to question our lives, to examine ourselves in a way that maybe other books of the Bible wouldn't. Lord, thank you for this, this time of study in the book of Proverbs and for this calling to wisdom that we've been able to come back to each and every week. Lord, I pray ultimately that we would answer that call in the fullest sense, in the truest sense, that we would express our fear of you by giving our lives to Jesus, by adjusting to his way of life, by pursuing this path that you have cut out for us and and have trailblazed for us by Jesus. Help us to understand why we're on this path in the first place through Jesus. Help us to understand how we remain on this path or keep coming back to this path through Jesus. Lord, I pray that this would be a great season of learning and and humility and discernment as we examine our hearts and minds. Lord, because we want to have a profitable time together, an intentional time together, and for that to happen, Lord, we need a great measure of your spirit as we study your word I pray that you would bless us in this time. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray.